the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. There's a guy named William McRaven. He wrote a book called Make Your Bed, and I would recommend it. He's a he rose to the highest rank in the Navy SEALs. And this book is a lot talking about his experience in Navy SEAL boot camp, so to speak. You know where they try to run you off. <laughs> they do everything they can to make you quit. They're trying to weed out the weak. And they want, you know, just the strong to survive if you're going to be a Navy SEAL. Well, one day they were swimming in the ocean. And, of course, they do a lot of water stuff and they, he said that they had swam a couple of miles or something, and, and he got to the beach, but he was so proud of himself. He had done good, and he crawled out you know, with, you know, near the top of the class, one of the first ones to finish. And the drill sergeant came over and said, Boy, give me a sugar cookie. Well, he knew what that meant. He had to go over there in the dry sand and roll around while he's soaking wet and get his face and his hair and behind his ears and every crevice and crack and... and that was a form of punishment for the seals. Of course, you didn't question them when they said do something, so he did it. He comes up a complete sugar cookie, and that means for the rest of the day, he's going to have that sand irritating him, if you know what I mean, all over. Well, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't know why he was getting punished. The drill sergeant came over and says, McCraven, do you know why you, did, you just became a sugar cookie? You know how they do. No, sir. It's because life ain't fair. And the quicker you realize that, the better off you'll be. How many of you feel like life has given you a sugar cookie? Sometimes we all get a sugar cookie. Because life ain't fair. And the quicker we learn that life isn't fair, the better off we'll be. Because to get through what he had to get through to get to where he wanted to be as a Navy SEAL, he had to learn that life ain't fair. If you're going to go through stuff, you might as well get it out of your mind that, oh, this ain't fair, and just getting that pity party attitude. Psalms 105.19 says, Until the time came... To fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. We're going to talk about Joseph today, but let me read that again. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. A lot of sugar cookies in Joseph's life. You remember the story. Joseph, he grows up, he's, he's a young teenager, and he's, he's kind of cocky. He's arrogant because, why? Because his dad had always lavished all his love on him. He, he was, 
you know, a, a son of his dad's old age. You remember his dad, J- Jacob. And Jacob had given him this coat of many colors, and man, that just caused all kind of ruckus between him and his brothers. His brothers didn't like him. Parents, don't do that. Don't play favorites with your children. You're just causing division within the family. Well, anyway, he, Jacob had lavished his love on Joseph, gave him this special coat of many colors, and his brothers hated it for him. And then Joseph, he starts having these dreams, and he feels like they're from God. You ever have dreams when you were young? You felt like they were for God? Maybe you're you're having them today. (laughs) But God gives us dreams. Those who will chase after him, those who will do what he says, those who will listen to his voice, those who will dig in his word like Gary said, God will begin to show us plans and dreams and purpose for our life. Well, anyway, Joseph jumps up and said, in front of his brothers, he said, I dreamed we was out in the field and and I collected all my wheat and my wheat stood up and y'all's wheat bowed down before mine. They said, are you crazy, boy? You think we're going to bow down and serve you? They were about to fight him right then. The next night, Joseph jumps up again. This time, I, I picture him at the dinner table with the whole family around. Dad's there this time. He said, I had a dream. I had another dream. This time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. Of course, he had 11 brothers. Not something you just want to pop out and say at the dinner table. And his dad said, son, are you saying that me and your mom are going to bow down to you too? His dad said, I'm going to have to think about this one. Well, anyway, the brothers were just, just that dreamer. Let me give you a piece of advice before we go on. You better be careful who you tell your dreams to. Because some of them will help you get there and some of them will do everything they can to stop your dreams. All right, so anyway... One day, Joseph is sent out to check on his brothers, and they're out there tending the sheep, and they see him coming, and they say, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. I mean, jealousy had rose up in their heart. They're ready to kill their own brother. Let's let's kill him and then see what happens to his dreams then. People will try to kill you to take away your dreams. Well, one of the brothers, I think it was Reuben, the oldest, he said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. And so he got there, and they threw him in this empty well, in this pit. And, and meanwhile, they're talking about, what should we do? Should we kill him? Can you imagine being Joseph down in the pit? My brother's up there talking about killing me. This ain't a good day. Well, they see these slave traders coming down on some camels, and they say, that's what we'll do. We'll make a little money off of him. We won't kill him because we'll have the blood on our hands. We'll just send him off into slavery. So they do. They sell him for 20 pieces of silver to this caravan of Midianite traders slave traders, and sent him off to Egypt. It says in one place that he begged for his life. He's, he's pleading with his brothers. There's probably tears in his eyes, and they still sent him off because they hated his dreams. Well, let me... By myself where I was at in the story. Okay, so they send him off to Egypt. Meanwhile, his brothers take his coat. That's what I was trying to get to. They take his coat, they rip it up, and they pour some goat's blood on it, take it home to Dad and say, Dad, we found this. Do you recognize it? Oh, it's my son. He's been ripped apart by a wild beast, and he begins to mourn and says he's going to mourn the rest of his days. And so they break their father's heart. Anyway, uh, 
Joseph is taken off to Egypt where he's sold to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guards of Pharaoh, so he's, he's a, one of the head muckety-mucks in Egypt. He's one of the top echelon. He's over the prison system there in Egypt. And so he begins to flourish. God is still with him. And he, everything he does begins to work. And Potiphar says, man, this guy, he didn't even understand the language good, but he's starting to get it. And he's starting to take care of the household chores. And pretty soon Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. He's over the whole house. Potiphar just sits back and lets Joseph do everything because God, he recognizes that God's anointing is on this man. Well, I guess Potiphar's wife began to recognize that the anointing was on him or something. She noticed something was on him because the Bible says he was a good-looking man and he was well-built. Now, I don't know what Potiphar's wife looked like. It doesn't say, but, you know, being a, one of the head muckety-mucks in Egypt, you can imagine that his uh, wife, I just picture her as some kind of trophy wife, you know, but she's got her eyes on this new young boy in the house, and she begins to want to get with him. And she begins to chase him around. And Joseph, he's, you know, he's avoiding it at all costs. He was trying to do his work. Here she comes. He heads the other way. He's, tr he's trying to get around it, but one day she finally corners him and gets her hands on his robe. And Joseph realizes, I got to get out of here. And so he takes off and he leaves the robe in her hand. And now she's stuck with the, his robe and she don't know how to explain it. So she yells, rape! You tried to rape me! <laughs> So Potiphar gets home, finds out his wife comes and tells him the lie. Potiphar, so mad, throws Joseph in the prison. That's it for him. Can you imagine how Joseph must be feeling by now? What has he done wrong but have a dream? What has he done wrong? He just tries to do rights, tries to stay out of sin, but now he's in the prison. Well, God's still with him. The situations ain't looking good, but God's still with him. His character's being tested, but God's still with him, and he rises to preeminence in the jailhouse. I mean, the head jailer says, "This guy, something about this guy. Let's put him in charge of everything. Every time we let him do something, everything works out. And he keeps a good attitude, obviously. I'm sure he went through some mully grubs for a little while, but he kept a good attitude, and he rises to preeminence in the jail. Everywhere he goes, he keeps rising because God is with him, and he won't quit on his dream. And then Pharaoh, the head guy of all Egypt, he has a cupbearer and a uh, baker. He's probably scared that they're trying to plot against him or something, so he has them thrown into jail. And so they're not happy down there, so Joseph is ministering to them. One day they wake up, and they're just really down, and they're saying, man... We've had these dreams, and we don't know how to interpret them. Joseph interprets both of their dreams. He says, cupbearer, basically, you're going to get reinstated in three days and go back to service for Pharaoh. Baker, not so much. <laughs> in three days, uh, Pharaoh's going to kill you and impale your body on a pole, and the birds are going to eat your eyes out. <laughs> but he interprets the dreams, and he, tells, he doesn't tell the, the cake baker or anything else because he knows he's not going far but he tells the cup baker when you get there tell pharaoh about me that i'm i've been unjustly imprisoned i've been stolen from my homeland please what do you think the cake baker does he gets reinstalled in three years but he doesn't tell pharaoh anything forgets all about joseph that had to probably be the hardest part those next two years he spent in prison 
Now you realize this whole time, this has been 13 years since Joseph was thrown in the pit. He was 17 when he was thrown in the pit. Now he's 30 years old. This whole time, he didn't realize that this was ever going to end. He didn't have the story written out. He said, if I could just make 13 years, man, I'll be good. He didn't know it was going to end at all. He didn't know if his whole life was going to be like this. In fact, every indication was that this was where he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison. But guess what happened? At just the right time, God gives Pharaoh a dream, two dreams. And all his magicians and all his wise men and all the people of Egypt couldn't tell Pharaoh what his dreams meant. And then the cupbearer had a, like a, a aha moment. He must have drank a V8 or something. Like, oh, I remember. When you remember you used to send me back to prison that time? There was a guy in there. And so they called Joseph out, and Joseph, get, they clean him all up, shave him, put new robes on him and everything, and he comes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gives him the dreams, and, and Joseph, just like he did the cupbearer, I forgot to tell you this part, before he gave, get, interpreted a dream for the cupbearer and the cake maker, he said, I can't interpret dream, but God can. He didn't take the, he didn't take the glory for it. And now, before Pharaoh, he says the same thing. He says, I hear you can interpret dreams. No, sir. God can, but let me hear your dream. And so he hears the two dreams, and he says, basically, God is telling you, by telling you this twice, he's already said this is going to happen, that you're going to have seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Then he began to give him some godly wisdom, like a word of wisdom. Here's what you need to do, Pharaoh. You need to save up during the years of plenty. You need to put it in barns and, and keep it for the years of famine. And you need to do this. And he begins to instruct Pharaoh on how to uh, get through this seven years of famine. Pharaoh's like, is there anybody else around here as sm smart as this guy? I don't see none of my magicians, not musicians, none of my magicians, <laughs> none of my wise men, this guy, has the spirit of God, can interpret dreams. He's got great wisdom. Takes his signet ring off and gives it to him. Boom! 13 years of character testing, and now he's risen to second in all of Egypt. He's running the house of Egypt. Well, he does exactly what he says he's going to do. He uh, collects food during the years of plenty. And everybody's got to be thinking, who is this Joseph dude? And he's collecting the food. We should be partying, you know. But he's uh, being conservative. But when those seven years of famine hit, they appreciated Joseph. In fact, the famine was so bad that all the region, we don't know how, maybe half the world, the famine was so bad that people were starving to death. Everybody had to come to Joseph. God had taken <laughs> taking him to a place where everybody in the world had to come to Joseph to get food. And guess who came? His 11 brothers. And guess what they did? They saw second in charge in Egypt. They didn't recognize it was Joseph. They just saw this great man of power and whatever he said, people trembled and whatever. He rode in this special chariot and people bowed down before him. And they came into his presence. And they were trembling and they bowed down before Joseph, just like God's dream. Isn't that awesome? 
That's awesome. That's how God brought it to pass. It said that until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Do you think your life is going to be any different? Do you think you're just going to walk right into your dreams? Well, I went to church and it didn't happen. <laughs> All right. Let's examine some lessons to be learned from Joseph's experience. Are y'all ready? Y'all going to help me preach today? She goes, don't, girl, don't you roll your eyes at me. Number one. The lesson we can learn is that Joseph may have lost his coat of many colors, but he never lost his dream. Don't lose your dream. you got to hold on to your dream. The world steals everything it can from us already. Steals some of our marriages, steals some of our loved ones, steals our finances, our stuff. It's after this, the world's just sucking stuff out of our lives we're like, no, I like that. Oh! But don't let the world get your dream. Hold on to your dream. Joseph showed no quit in the pit. <laughs> Joseph showed no quit in the pit. Showed nothing but bravery during his slavery. He had staying power in his midnight hour. Am I preaching real good? Do I need to get a ha? Do I need a hanky? Look, you're going to have obstacles in this life. You're going to lose battles. And sometimes you're just going to lose your way through no fault of anybody else but your own. But the thing we got to realize is keep coming back to Jesus. Keep coming back to your dream. What he's put in your heart. No matter how far you stray away, get off track, you know. Wandering out, how did I get here? Head back to where you got off track, all right? Romans 11.29 says, For God's gift and His call can never be withdrawn. The call doesn't leave you. The gifts He put in you doesn't, don't leave you. They may dry up a little bit if you leave them dormant, if you don't invest in them. But it's still there. If you've left your dreams, if you've left God, He's still there. Your dreams are still there. He has not taking back your calling. You can go back to where you left off and start again and move forward. Do you believe me? This church, we've been together, I don't know, close to 30 years from when we originally started. Boy, we've, we've got off track a lot of times. And it's been times like, how did we get here? What are we doing? Most of the stuff we did to ourselves. A lot of it was just character building in us. But the thing about this church is we get back on track. We're still coming back to God even today. We're trying to do God's will. And we're seeing His dream come to pass. We just got to stay on track. Stay with God. We're too legit to quit. Dun, dun, dun. No. 
Say, don't do that, Pastor. Too legit to quit, I'm telling you. So number one, don't lose your dream, okay? I feel like somebody said, I don't, I don't have a dream. Yes, you do. Somebody, I don't know what it is. Find out. It's there. Everybody has gifts and callings. You have one. Find out what it is. That'd be a good place to start. Number two, I want you to know that together, you and God are enough. You're a majority. You win. Anybody that's on God's team wins. If it was just you and God against the world, guess what? You win. There's times when Joseph must have felt like the whole world was against him. He's down in this pit his own brothers have thrown him into. He sold for 20 pieces of silver. He becomes a slave in a nation. He doesn't even speak the language. He's falsely accused. He's in a dungeon. Think about the things that he went through. He must have felt alone. He didn't even have a, the Word of God like we do to encourage him. Think about that. We can go to the Word of God and be encouraged and know what God has for us. Joseph just had to inherently know. He just had to know in his heart about God. But we have Romans 8.29. Turn there. Romans 8.29. God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God knew about you. He planned you. He created you. He put in you what you are. And he wants you to be brothers and sisters with Jesus. And verse 30 says, And having chosen them, say chosen. He called them to come to him. And having called them, say called. He gave them right standing. Say right standing. With himself. He made you right with himself. What shall we say about things as wonderful as these? If God be for us, who can be against us? Boom. You win. If God be for us, who can be against us? He has chosen us. He has called us. He has given us right standing. He has made us brothers and sisters with Jesus. He has given us every good and perfect gift. Everything that we need to live a life of godliness is ours. We have him on our side. It goes on to say that if he didn't withhold his son, won't he freely give us everything else we need? Is there something that you're lacking? No, you got it all. I, I've often told the story about going to these nursing homes. There's so many heartwarming stories. There's a lot of heartbreak in the nursing home. I'm not going to deny that. But I remember this one little old lady. She's probably in her 90s. And she just had such a gleam in her eye. And I came up and I says, how you doing, ma'am? And I held her hand. 
She says, I am so good. I'm wonderful. This, it, everything is wonderful. And it was like, wow, what's going on? I thought some, you know, her family had just come visit her or something, something good had happened in her life. She said, I don't have anybody. She said, here, I'm all alone, and nobody comes to visit me. But Jesus is with me, and it's the best time of my life. I thought she was an angel. She began to glow. She was saying, I have nothing in all the world except these clothes on my back and this chair that I'm sitting in and somebody to feed me, but I got Jesus and it's enough. I got Jesus and it is enough. In fact, she said it's the best time of her life. She had had all the other stuff, but now that she is alone with just her and Jesus, it is more than enough. I think about Job in the Bible. Job was a rich man. He had a lot of stuff, nice family, everything. But then the devil said, man, Job is just serving you. He came to God and said, Job is just serving you. You know that because you're so good to him. So God allowed the devil to test Job's character. Took away his family. They all died in a whirlwind. Took away his cattle, his wealth. Last of all, took away his own health. And Job is sitting, I imagine, in front of a fire with boils all over his body, suffering with broken pieces of pottery, scraping his skin, itching himself. And Job, I think it's in 13, 15, says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Talking about God. Reminds me of Peter when Jesus turned around and said, will y'all leave too? Peter says, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are you going to go? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. See, that's what Joseph had to do when it felt like God was slaying him. There was 13 years of testing. Is God enough for you? I mean, if nothing ever went right from this point on in your life, can you trust that God is with you? Even if sometimes He's the architect of your pain. God, I've been on this potter's wheel. Oh, God, please, please have mercy, Lord. I've been down. I've had... Kidney stones. I've been crawling around on the carpet begging for mercy. But you know who I cried out to? God. Have you decided that no matter what happens, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? When you come to that place, you'll be the type of person that can hold on to their dreams. So first, don't lose your dreams. Second, you and God are enough. And third, sin sullies. That was, that was cute. The one you did a while ago was like, I thought you, was, I thought you said, hallelujah. <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Number three, sin sullies. 
The word sully just means damages your integrity, ruins your character. I got to make it rhyme. Come on, I'm a preacher. Sin sullies everything that you work, your witness. Joseph was bad about losing robes. The first one got cut up and splattered with blood. The second one, Potiphar's wife was holding on to. But Joseph never lost his robe of righteousness. That's one robe that he would not lose because it was on the inside. You couldn't take it from him. You might take the other robes, but you couldn't take what was on the inside of him. He would not take off his robe of righteousness. He didn't let the temporary pleasures of this world steal his dream because that's what sin will do. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run. Say run. Run, Forrest. Y'all didn't say that? Say run, Joseph. Run from sexual sin. What did he do when Potiphar's wife got a hold of him? He ran. He didn't have the word of God. He just knew that was the right thing to do. Come on, people. We are to know so much more. It says, no matter, no other sin clearly affects the body as this one does, meaning sexual sin, sexual immorality. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It's stupid. It's like pitting yourself in the head and robbing yourself. It's a sin against your own body. Joseph ran from sexual sin, and you should too. That's how do you get out of sexual sin, because if you stay, Joseph was 17. Now, come on. You think he had some hormones going on? His trophy wife got a hold of him off in a secret place somewhere? You better run. You better run. And it, it, flee sexual immorality. Something comes on your computer, cut it off, get up, walk away. Don't come back until you've cut that thing off and rebooted. Run. Because the, the thief is purpose, John 10, 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not so much care about your life. He wants to take your dream. He wants to steal your dream. He wants to kill it. He wants to destroy your dream. You can have your life as long as you're not serving the Lord. And you're no... Bother to him, but if you got your dream, he's got to get it away from you. He's coming after your dream. And sex outside of marriage, sin in any, whatever sin that you're into is putting your dream in the rearview mirror farther and farther away. You are headed away from what God's destiny when you sin. It's just area you're going to have to make back up. How many has walked around the mountains so many times you're like, why don't, why don't we stop doing that? <laughs> you're never going to get to your destiny. Every toke of weed is a slow fade to Nothingsville. Every peak at porn is a slow fade to Nothingsville. The devil says, come over here on the wide path. <laughs> come over here. I'll sell you a big nothing burger. Trade your birthright and your dream for this little, little red bowl of nothing stew. Any old fool can find the wide path 
but we're a narrow path bunch. Teenagers, adults, you want to be different than your ganked up friends? You got to do something different than your ganked up friends. You see what sin has done in their life, but you think, well, it won't happen to me. I'm the exception to God's rule that whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. It won't happen to me. If you want a different result than your ganked up friends, you got to do different than your ganked up friends. That means you come to church, you serve God, you do the things that they're not doing, and you don't do the things that they are doing. Different results require different actions. Is it not just a wishing? Oh, because I love God, everything will work out. Good intentions don't get you to your destination. Good decisions do. You know, some of our brightest and best in this church have been stolen by sin. Some of the most promising people I've ever met have been stolen away from this church, away from their dream, away from God's kingdom by the sin that they allowed into their lives. Well, Pastor, can't we just ask for forgiveness and start back up? Some things you can. Some things are lost forever. We got people in this church at any, any given hour, I, I know as pastor, that are on a slow fade. There's people in this church right now on a slow fade. They're getting back into the things they used to do. They're walking away from their dream. And I'm pleading with them, come back. Don't do it. Don't go back. You, it didn't work out before. You remember before Jesus? You remember how that worked out for you? But they're, they're inching back. They're leaving their dream on the altar. At any given time. That's one of the saddest things about being a pastor. You just wish you could shake people. But you can't. I pray the Holy Ghost shakes you today. I was on the way to work Friday morning, and I, I usually don't go down 51. I usually go to Expressway from Hernando, but I went down up 51, and I was about to turn on Goodman, and I saw this guy had one foot in the air and he was leaning on a cane. He was all sweaty. Looked like he'd come a far piece. And uh, I tried to drive on, you know, but the Holy Spirit says, you got to go back. And I was arguing, but he's going the opposite direction. And I got work to do. But the Holy Spirit says, you got to go back. So I turned around, I rolled down my window and drove up to him and I said, do you need a ride? And he looks over me, he just... He, he was kind of scary looking, to be honest. I mean, he looked like, you know, he could be a rough character. I didn't know. But he just had a big smile, and he, his, his countenance was nothing like his appearance. He says, brother, however far you can get me, I would sure appreciate it. So he gets in the truck, and I said, well, how far are you going? He said, Cenotobia. <laughs> I said, 
That's 30 miles. You going to walk 30 miles? He said, I figured somebody would give me a ride. You, can only, you only have to give me as much as you, if it's okay with you. I'll appreciate your ride. He was a nice gentleman. He t- started telling me the story about how, how he couldn't get to his job. He said, I got a job going on in Senatobia, and I'm trying to get to my job. He said, I, got, I bought a vehicle 10 days ago, and, and the motor locked up. Right after I got it, and the place wouldn't take it back. He said, so I got an 88 Chevy truck that needs a radiator. Tom, if you know of any radiators for 88 Chevy truck. He said, so I don't have a ride, but I figure I would just start off walking, and if nothing else, I would show my boss that I'm serious about trying to get there. I'd do my best to try to get there. As, as I drove him to Senatobia, I'm talking to him. He said, said a couple of years ago, I, I fell asleep at the wheel and I drove off a bridge 100 feet down and I crashed and it tore up my ankle. I got five pins in my ankle. He said, I had been doing dumb things in my life. I would got into drugs and selling drugs and he said, I'm from Memphis. He had already walked from Memphis to get to Goodman, by the way. He said, then the Lord spoke to me and said, are you through trying to do things your way? Because my life wasn't working. He said, why don't you come follow me? He said, I did. He said, I gave my heart to Jesus. He said, I went back and found my children. Started being a daddy to them. I started working honest work. He said, things, ain't, things are real hard on me, as you can see. He said, but I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And I thought, now here is a man that knows what sin has in store for him. Here is a man who has a fresh dream from God, and he is willing to start walking with a limp leg from Memphis to Senatobia just to do the right thing, trusting that God will see his obedience. Even when it didn't look like he could get there, he was trusting that God would get him there. And you know what? He took a step, and God got him the rest of the way. You got to take a step. Even if you don't, your dream may be so big, you think, ain't no way, ain't no way, I'm, I'm not even going to try that. You don't know how big your God is. Keep walking. Keep taking a step. God will get you to your destination. Walk away from sin. Walk into your destiny. Number four. Live to give God the glory. Joseph wouldn't take credit for the gift that was just being lent to him. He told the cupbearer, he told Pharaoh, I can't interpret dreams, but God can. He didn't take the glory for the gift that God had given him. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, It says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Can anybody answer that? (laughs) Really one word, nothing, that's right. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? This excludes boasting for all of us. Right? 
No matter what gifts you have, what talents and abilities, we're all just people. We're all just In fact, that felt good, do that. Just accept who you are. It's your God's masterpiece. Your God's precious masterpiece. God's power follows His glory. It doesn't follow ours. If you ever want to walk into the power of God, don't you try to take no credit for anything. Because his power will dry up like that. He will not share his glory with another. And why don't we try to take that pressure off of ourselves? Trying to be something. I know I tried my whole life to be something. It wasn't until I got through with trying to be something that God made me something. And it's for his glory now. Look, I'm not God. You're not God. God doesn't expect you to be, and neither does no one else. Why don't you be comfortable in your own skin? Why don't you stop comparing yourself to other people's gifts and abilities and talents and whatever they have, their dreams? How won't you just follow your own dream? And do that again. God gives rest. A glory hog will never be whole hog for Jesus. Anybody remember my message, whole hog? Did I tell you today's message title? Today's message title, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> but a glory hog will never be whole hog for Jesus. God will not share his glory with a man and... You can't serve God and yourself. You can't serve God and money. You're either serving God or, or you're not. She okay? As a church, we're going to reveal our where we're going, long-term vision banner, and... Uh, has nothing to do with mega churches or mega pastors. You know what it has to do with? Showing God's mega love. Revealing our mega God. Has nothing to do with, with any individual. It's just us. It's just us serving a mega God. Number five, expect a payoff. Not in a bad way. I mean, expect good results for your obedience. God took Joseph from a boy in a pit to a man with a worldwide pulpit. Didn't he? Thirteen short years from a boy in a pit to a man with a worldwide pulpit. God began to be glorified in his life. People's lives were saved because of the famine. The kingdom of God was advanced. J Joseph had eternal results going on in his life. Things that he could have never accomplished on his own. 
And at any time, he could have just felt sorry for himself, right? He could have quit. He could have gave up. He could have gotten negative. He could have gotten despair. He could have escaped to Nothingsville along with a lot of us. It's what a lot of us have done in our life. We had a dream. And when it got, the going got tough and the character, God got his hands on us, on the potter's wheels like, oh, 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 no, I quit. I'm getting down off of here. But I'm telling you, get back up on the wheel. It brings a, a peace into your life. When you can lay your head on the pillow at night knowing you, you're right with God. You're doing your best to serve. No, none of us are perfect. We make mistakes, but we, God gives us a way to keep a clean slate with Him. Just ask for forgiveness. When you're doing your level best to serve the Lord, it brings a peace that passes all understanding. It'll keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And you will, if you begin to experience that peace, you won't trade it for any sin in the world. You won't trade it. It don't matter how hard times get. You've got to have that peace. We're, see, we're supposed to be junkies. Not something we shoot in our arm, but something God shot in our heart. We're supposed to be junkies for Jesus. He, that is the longing that we have, whether we realize it or not. Turn to 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy 4.14. When I was a young Christian, this was the first scripture that really spoke to me. I, you know, I was getting an understanding or whatever, but this was one that became a rhema to me because somebody had laid hands on me and prophesied over me, and, and it felt real to me. Verse 14, it says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. What is that? Your dream, your purpose. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and for the sake of those who hear you. Throw yourself into your task so that people can see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live, your teaching. Stay true to what is right because it affects your life and those who are watching you. We have an obligation as God's children to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. We may be the only Jesus some people are watching. You know what? There's a crown laid up for those who run their race and finish their course. We don't do it for an earthly prize. We do it for an eternal prize. We run our race and finish our course because we know we're, we're trusting in the, in the life to come. Number six, and this is the title of your message as well. Never quittery. Never quittery. For those of you who have been here on Wednesday nights recently, it's a new word I coined. You got to have that never quittery. Did you never give up? Never quittery. Joseph endured 13 years of long testing. 
Yet the hope of his dream sustained him, caused him to never quit. Hebrews 6, 19 says, hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. When your soul is being tossed to and fro and you're just, oh my goodness, I can't take no more. Remember the hope that you have in Jesus. Remember your dream. It'll be an anchor for your soul. It'll keep you tied to the things of God. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If, say if, we don't give up. It's another thing I said recently on a Wednesday night. If, that big two-letter word. If is probably the biggest two-letter word in the Bible. If you don't give up. Patience is dream building 101. If there was a class on how to build your dreams, a beginner's class, the first thing they'd probably start talking about is patience. It's said that patience is the settled reality that we're not in control. God is. When you realize that you're not in control, then you'll learn some patience. See, God doesn't work on our timetables, He works on His. You can relax. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you can relax. Let God bring it to pass in the due season. Benjamin Franklin said, he that can have patience can have what he will. Benjamin Franklin said that. If you can have patience, you can have what you will. God says in Hebrews 12:1, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. A never quittery attitude. Endurance. Enjoy the ride. Life is just about much about the, the journey as it is the destination. If we get too focused on the destination, then we, we, we're miserable on the journey. And we, we lose heart on the journey. You got to trust Jesus daily. You got to walk with him daily. You got to talk with him daily. It's about the journey. Learn to enjoy life. Don't beat yourself up because you ain't where you think you ought to be. That's in God's hands. You just do your part. Relax a little bit. You got to believe that God's doing something in you now that you'll need later. That ex anybody ever had that experience? Now I see why I went through that. For my kids. or Now I see because I didn't know this next job was going to need that. Now I see why I was stuck in a cubicle at Power and Tail for 18 years. To get some of that pride out of me. I see why I look back now and I realize what God was doing. But at the time, I was just mad at God. Just let God do what he wills. You got to believe he's doing something in you you'll need later. If you get knocked down, just get back up. Get back up with more resolve than you had before you got knocked down. Never quittery attitude. Joseph's never quittery took whole hoggetry to a new level. We can learn from Joseph. I was going to show a video, but we're not going to have time. I'll maybe show it another day. 
But remember the scripture I said, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, God tested Joseph's character. You allow him to test your character, he'll make your dreams come to pass. You know, Joseph thought that his dreams, when he first had them as a young boy, he thought his dreams were about himself. I'd be cool, my brother's bowing down to me, you know. He was cocky a little bit, you know. Had the wrong attitude. He didn't understand his dreams. He had to go through 13 years of character building to work in him the humility that would one day allow him to forgive his brothers because that's what he did. The ones that threw him in the pit later on, he forgave them. He embraced them, hugged them, cried over them. He had let everything go. The dream had changed him and it saved half the world. See, God had a plan all along when he gave that little dream to that little 17-year-old that he was going to save his people Israel. Joseph couldn't have known that. You don't know what your dream is about. You just got to know it's, if it's from God, it's big. This church, we've been through it. We've been tested. But none of what we have learned has been wasted. We're learning from it. We're building character. It makes us all that more resolved to find out what the end of God's dream is and see it come to pass. We, as a church, have that whole hogatry, never quittery. We're whole hog about the things of God, and we never quit. Where are we going? What is this church going to do? Probably have to find out next week because I don't have time this week. But <sighs> Don't miss next week. <laughs> okay, so let me close. Life gives you a sugar cookie, right? Life gives you a bunch of sugar cookies. But remember, summary, never lose your dream. You and God are enough. Don't let sin steal your dream. Don't let pride deflate its power because the payoff is eternal and it's worth every ounce of your never quittery. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.